Amanda is a mother and wife, and a CEO, chief energy officer, in her family and with her sense of joy and excitement shows up as a role model for her family and inspires them to accept who they truly are. Best-selling author and podcaster with her show You Choose You Now, Amanda is a leader in helping parents and adults to heal their inner wounded child so they can become the very best version. Right, ladies and gentlemen, it is Thursday, Thursday the 17th, and we're going to have a wonderful interview with my wonderful guest today, and I'm so excited to have her on the show. Also, it cannot be a show without you joining as well. With our listeners, we are so thankful for you listening to a podcasting show. Yes, you can. And so what we're going to do, we're not going to hold up too much time, because tonight we want to really get into the gritty, gritty side of things tonight with our wonderful guests. So today, our guest, we have Amanda Hill, and uh, she will be sharing with us, and I say lots of information, but I'm sure most of you are listening to this show will have your pen and paper ready because there's going to be some really key information for those of you who are parents, for those of you who are uh, teachers or families, because we always have something to learn as we go along. Okay, so just to let you know, I am Trevor Jeremiah Carter. I'm your host for tonight, and I'm the co-founder of a company I've set up called Living Your Good Life. And I'm also a podcast host, which I run right now. What we're doing is called Yes, You Can. And I'm a stress relief and emotional intelligent coach. And here's the interesting thing, ladies and gentlemen. I can relate to Amanda's story very much because I went through depression myself as well. And I realized what it took, which she's going to cover more in details for you to overrise your situations that you don't like to be in. And she's definitely going to be giving us some tips and insight today. So I'm your host for today. Now, we are going to be having a show every Thursday live. I run every Thursday live, 12 o'clock and 7 p.m. GMT time. So if you'd like to be a guest, you can email me at info at livingyourgoodlife.co.uk. That's info at livingyourgoodlife.co.uk. That's an opportunity for you if you would like to be a guest on our show. Okay, let's go right into it. We have our wonderful guest, Amanda. So, Amanda, welcome to the show. Hi, Trevor. Thank you so much for having me on. I can't wait to share and help others to get over themselves and come home to themselves. Absolutely. And uh, it's something that I'm really looking forward to myself, and I'm sure our listeners will be as well. But there are some interesting things I want to ask you, Amanda, because mm -hmm. you've got a lot of information to share. And just tell us a little bit about yourself, for those who don't know you, who you are, where you're from. And then I have a nice special question to ask you after this. Cool. Um, so I'm Amanda. Um, I'm a mother. I have a son. I'm a teacher and have been a teacher for 30 years. I wrote a best-selling book called I Choose Me a year ago, and that got me over my own story and limiting beliefs. And from that, I created stories for children 
to help them understand that we are not our emotions. They are just visitors that come and visit us. And they're called the Mood Munchers and they're available on Amazon. And two months ago, I launched my own podcast show called You Choose You Now, because I healed myself, got over myself. And my podcast is really to share my journey, but to help others share their journey to realize it's just when we're stuck in our heads, we are stuck. And life is not for that. Life is for accepting yourself for who you are, loving yourself entirely and being unapologetically you, which is how I'm showing up now today. Well, congratulations to having your own podcast show. And, uh, Thank you. It's fantastic <laughs> that you've took the, the bullhorn and you said, this is mm -hmm. it, my opportunity now to do it. So fantastic yes. news. Thank you. So Amanda, I'm going to go right into it because... I have some very special questions to ask you because the way you present yourself and what you talk about is such a key to today's society. Totally, totally. 100%. And um, one of the things that struck me was your title, Coming Home to Yourself. When I looked at that question, I was trying to work out what's the message behind that? I'm mm -hmm. trying to work it out like I'm at school now and sitting in a classroom <laughs> trying to work out what my teacher's telling me. <laughs> I love it. But that title stands out very strong. So mm -hmm. what would could you share what's the message behind that title coming well, home to yourself? Generally, people feel at home when they're at home. They feel comfortable, they feel secure, it's their nest, it's their place that's surrounded with love. And actually very few of us actually come home to ourselves, not in a place, but within ourselves. And I, for one, was totally not at home anywhere. And I was searching outside myself desperately, trying to fill my empty void up to no avail. And what I've realized is that everything we've ever wanted is deep inside us. We just have to have the courage and the vulnerability to look inside ourselves and to find out who we were born to be. Because I think once we go to school and get into schooling and education and then inherited beliefs of our family, we create limiting beliefs and we forget who we are and we become something else. So basically, I've just spent the last couple of years stripping back what I took on mm. that is not me to reveal myself. And in doing that, I am still full of joy and energy because that's my natural state. <laughs> but I'm so much more grounded. I'm not the drama queen anymore. I've given up that title, passed it back to whoever else wants it. Wow. That's a high rank because that's like a total transformation from how you were before. Yes. To where you are now, looking back, thinking, oh, that was me, but that's not yes. me. Yes, for years it was me. And I, and I felt lost, even though I was showing up. So I was either, so if you think of a weighing scales, I was on either on a high on the drama and the woo-hoo-hoo, or that mm. woe is me. I was mm. never anywhere settled in the middle. And most people do, and it's in the doingness, and that's what society tells us to do more and more and more. And I was just burnt out and exhausted. And I didn't like myself much. And mm. I got my self-worth by helping others. But I can realize that now that that wasn't in my natural state. That was to get validation from others because I didn't have any trust or belief or faith in myself. Mm. 
Now, that is powerful. Ladies and gentlemen, I have to tell you, if you're listening to this podcast show, you definitely need to have your pen and paper ready to take down notes because this is a personal journey mm. that can transform your life, especially in the pandemic. And uh, I'm sure Amanda's really got some more insight, something behind the coin that can <laughs> re reveal itself, what's really going on. So Amanda, I mean, this is where I want to take it to another level now. You explained about your highs and lows. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit more about your highs and lows. What was going on in that period of time? Well, it was like, you know, you have the fight or flight. And we're programmed that from caveman age, but we don't need that anymore. Mm -hmm. And I was running on adrenaline. I think that was just sparking off all the time. And then, of course, after, you know, three weeks of high adrenaline, you're worn out. And that's when I take myself off and withdraw and isolate myself, which led to depression. So I was one or the other because when people were around, not necessarily family, but, you know, people I work with I wanted to look good because let's face it as human beings we always want to look good mm -hmm. but it wasn't the true me because I didn't know who I was and I was just trying to meet you know be the best teacher be a mother be a friend and yet it all felt false and people called me a bit of a drama queen and mm -hmm. there was always crises around me that I used to create and I used to love I was addicted I have to say this, I was addicted to the drama, to the rush, to the thrill, without being aware of that. Mm. And then on the other side, when I was burnt out, I was addicted to the woe is me, I was running in victimhood. So, mm. you know, I'd eaten the pie, sold the t-shirt, if you'd done it, I'd done one better. And that's how I got my validation. And because nobody had explained, you know, that. The need for validation came from my childhood to be a people pleaser. Mm. And then as an adult, you keep those traits on and they don't serve you in adulthood. So mm. it's sort of like trying to be teacher's pet. And I joined a course and this woman called me out. She says, you're trying to be teacher's pet. Now, I was not teacher's pet in school days, mm. but it hit me. And I went, wow, she's right. And that's when I actually went into myself and I thought, what is it that I'm missing that I want everybody to like me, give me a pat on the shoulder. And mm. I realized that other people's opinions of me were more important because I actually didn't have an opinion of myself. Mm. I actually saw myself as worthless. Mm. And to admit that is huge, but I know that's not me. So I thought, right, let's go back to basics. Think things happen to all of us growing up and they are just things that happen, but it's the story we attach to those happenings, those situations that we hold on to in desperation. And that's what I did. Mm, mm. So it's interesting. Um, what comes to mind is a question. I'm sure most listeners can relate to this. Was it something you discovered or identified coming from childhood or when it was the experience of being a drama? Or was it when you got into the older age? When did it really start? Well, as a child, I wouldn't say boo to a goose. I was so quiet and shy. And my inner voice was always telling me off because my parents, they were great providing, but I didn't get that sense of security and love. Mm. And I always felt the bit of the odd one out in the family. And I was told, you know, you're making things up, which I wasn't. 
but you start thinking, am I making things up? Am I going crazy? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was then in my teenage things, you know, things started happening. I was bullied. Um, I was groomed at one stage. And I just thought because the people were older than me, this is the right thing to do. And I can see that absolutely no, but I had no security and base in myself on which to base it. But the attention I got from being in drama, I like that because Mm. I was being seen and being heard. Mm. And I realized as a child, and a lot of us are like this, we felt unseen and unheard. Right, right. Wow. Now, the reason why I ask that is because people tend to find we carry a lot of patterns and behaviors and models into our life. We don't realize how far back it starts to bring it to where we are. But with you, Amanda, you mentioned about beliefs. Yes. What is beliefs and what was it that struck you about your own beliefs? So my first belief, I remember I was two and a half and my, we were collecting my brother. So I've got two older sisters and I knew that that was the boy that my father always wanted. Mm-hmm. And I can remember thinking, I don't want this baby coming home because it's the boy. And it just, because my sisters are a bit older than me, so they were known as the girls, we were known as the children. Mm-hmm. Um, it just felt that I'm not wanted. I don't belong. And no matter what I tried to do, I got told off as I saw it. I didn't get, it's okay, you're fine, you're safe here. That wasn't said to me. And so I just thought, I try so hard to fit in, to be good. I was the very mm-hmm. good girl. You know, that's the A I got on my report card. Um, but I just didn't understand schooling. I found it very hard to talk to people and to make friends. And because of that, people saw that in me. And then I was approached by the people who weren't so nice. And sort Mm -hmm. of, I could see that I was manipulated and used. Mm -hmm. And I allowed that to happen. I can see that. But at that stage, because, you know, as a child, you don't know your emotions. You don't understand that. You don't have the language. And I didn't, because my parents were full-time working, I didn't have anybody to go home to, to talk to. Mm -hmm. So I created the story that I don't belong. Um, I'm not good enough to belong um, and I'm useless and worthless and I'm unworthy of to be loved because I didn't feel loved. And I kept that going, especially the unworthy of love. So, you know, I was proposed to three other times before I um, Mm. finally married my husband and I wasn't, I was 40 when I got married. So I left it late in life and he's been patient saint because he sat by me and it's only now that I can accept his love. It's like I kept pushing, 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 prove it, prove it, prove it. Mm-hmm. And I can see that just comes from a lack of a deep lack of self-belief and worth. Mm-hmm. And I don't want any child to grow up like that, believing that because everybody is born with love, compassion inside them. We mm-hmm. just get misguided with life's you know, twists and turns. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to be that way. Wow. Powerful story. Now, Amanda. Um, we talked about briefly about limited beliefs and some people tend to have a problem with understanding limited beliefs. How does somebody experience limited belief and when does that actually start? I think up to the age of three, we're curious, innocent and creative and we're out there showing up and being just who we are. And then we go to school and then teachers say, no, don't do that. Do it this way. And so, you, and then they start judging you. 
and you pick up those judgments and where the limiting beliefs come is that little voice in your head and if you're thinking what little voice it's the voice that just said what voice and mm -hmm. an activity I do with people is mirror work where I ask them to look at themselves in the mirror and honestly write down what you're thinking and saying to yourself and another way to do it is do it the whole day and at the end of the day, if you read the list, you will usually find out it's usually quite condemning and very negative towards yourself. We are our own worst critics. Mm. And it's actually acknowledging that you are putting yourself down, whether it's you're not saying it verbally, but in here. So your whole energy is being put down. Mm. And, you know, I was doing that for 45 years. So wow. guess what? You, you, you they become patterns. They become habits, you know. I can see my mom, she's no longer with us, but you know, she couldn't take a compliment and she'd go, oh, get me a bucket. I'm going to be sick if you said anything nice to her. Mm. And I've inherited, I can take compliments now, but it was that sort of thing that I'm not good enough unless I am mm. helping others. Right, right. So no. look at your patterns and look at your behaviors around people. What do you do that's consistent? What's your go-to behavior? And that's usually, so people pleasing, trying to make everybody happy. That was mm. the reaction right. of my limiting belief. Right. And also, Amanda, you'll probably agree with me that I don't think people realize, I mean, I had a lot of that around me in my life. Mm -hmm. oh, people don't realize the languages they use can damage yes. people. <gasps> the power of words. There you go. This yes. is why I wanted to get your story over on this show for people to be aware of your experience as well as my experience. Mm -hmm. The power of words, what we say particularly, which I know you're going to cover, over our children. Yes, yes. Because, because a lot of the times we speak with help thinking, and I'm so guilty of that. I was very mm -hmm. reactionary rather than being responsive. And actually what I do now is hold, pause and think, right, Who's speaking? Is that my ego wanting to get the better of somebody or put people down? Or is it from my heart and my soul? Right, right. Okay. Now, here's the, the other thing I want to ask you, excuse me, is parents are busy. They're working. Yeah. They've got a lot of demand and responsibility. With your situation, do we look at that scenario where parents are so busy and got time for their children? Is that a cop out? or excuse when you look at it now? What would you say, Amanda? For my parents, and you know, I was brought up in the 70s, so it was a time ago, but I know my parents did the very best with their knowledge and their awareness of the time. We didn't mm -hmm. have this self-help and things around. My parents' goal was to put a roof over my head and provide the best for me. Now, what I've realized, and I hope through this pandemic, people have realized because we haven't been able to go out to the shops and buy things and go on holidays. We've had to stay inside. And actually, this last year has been quite beautiful for me in actually just accepting I've got a beautiful son and a husband. And we've actually been quite happy. Yes, we've had mm -hmm. our arguments. Of course, we do. We're normal human mm -hmm. beings. But we have not needed anything else except time together. But mm. you see, society, although we've got all this awareness, and I hope now that we'll never go back to the old normal, society now, we have this awareness, we can go within ourselves, but it takes self-discipline and changing the habits of a lifetime. Mm. 
Mm. Now, I understand people have to work because let's face it, housing isn't cheap. And a lot of the times two people have to work in the family and that's fine. But all you need to do is, and I know from being a teacher and asking children who sat with their parents at the dinner table and actually sat and had a conversation and ate together. And a lot of the children don't do that anymore. It's, you know, TV mm. dinners. Mm. or they're being looked after by the um, DVD player. Mm. And it's because, and I was guilty of this. So there's no judgment when I'm saying this because I did it myself. And my husband actually said to me, you're so busy doing, you only ever stop on our two week holiday. And that hit me and I went, you know, first of all, don't be so ridiculous. Of course I'm there, you know, I cook, I clean, but those are the doing. I mm. wasn't sitting there, you know, giving my son a hug and saying, how's your day? And I've had to, it's taken effort, but I come in now and at the door I stop and say, right, I'm leaving school and that's gone. Mm. I'm now here in the present moment and I come in and I, I go to Alessandra and I say, hi, darling, how was your day? Tell me what happened. And then mm. I go to my husband and I say, hi, how was your day? Any news to share? We have dinner together now and then we have movie night on a Saturday that we just are very silly together and we take turns each week. But right. that is quality time that you're actually, you know, not having to pay the bills. You're not having to do the cooking, the washing and everything else. You're not worrying about what the house looks like. You're actually just being together and enjoying one another's company because connection is what it's all about. Right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have Amanda here with us tonight on this wonderful podcast show and boy she certainly does have a story for all of us particularly if you are a parent or a teacher in this room this show is for you so what we're going to do we're going to take a quick commercial break and we will be coming straight back so and we're going to continue with our wonderful guests and uh, amanda here No matter who you are or what your status is, you know that your success cannot depend on the opinions of others. Like the wind, opinions change. As the weather, opinions change frequently. To succeed in any endeavor, you must stay the course, no matter what the cost. Join us with your host Trevor Jeremiah Carter on Yes, You Can Podcast show every Thursday at 12pm and 7pm GMT. Remember the new you starts today, not tomorrow. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is your host today, Trevor Jeremiah Carter. Yes, you can. The new you start today, not tomorrow. And Amanda's making sure everybody is going to start today, not tomorrow. Indeed, <laughs> no. now is the moment. Absolutely. And we, uh, I'm going to look at this like this, Amanda. I just see you like Clint Eastwood. We've gone into a city, <laughs> clean it all up, and then he's ready to move on to another one. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love Clint Eastwood. I, I love the way he acted and performed. He always knew what he was doing. And I, I would look at this like that. Amanda is on a mission to clean up as much as possible in people's lives. Junk's mm -hmm. toxic lifestyle, the languages we use, and etc. So Ladies and gentlemen, again, please do have your pen and paper ready. And for those who are listening to the show, this is going to be recorded for you to listen over and over and over again until it registered with you and hit home. Okay, Amanda, man, you are touching some, some chords here that I'm kind of looking back at parents today in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. We're going to move forward a little bit. Um, you are 
a teacher. Yes. You're a mother as well. I've wanted mm -hmm. for children and a husband. Now, you went through so much transformation, mentally, physically, and spiritually. What mm -hmm. I want to find out is, would you able to put a line to any of those old nasty habits before you came into your marriage and move forward? How difficult was it? What transformation did you tend to do yourself at that time? Before marriage, do you mean? Before marriage, yes. Um, no, before marriage. <laughs> I was very busy in the doing. I was a great teacher. I give myself that. But as a person, I was still being either the dramatic or the over helper. So I had a, I didn't have a lane. So I drove in other people's lanes, sorting out their lives for them. And if you had a problem, I was Miss Fix-It. And I loved that role. Um, when I met my husband, he was quite a enlightened gentleman. Um, and I saw that in him and I loved about him, but I'll be totally honest with you, we've been married 13 years now. And I resented him because he always thought before he spoke, he was very careful in his language. He wasn't judgmental. He held space for people. And there was me running and bowling into people, trying to get reactions. Mm -hmm. And I actually thanked him just last week saying, thank you so much for staying with me, for you know seeing what was truly in me and waiting for me to basically grow up and let go yeah. of what doesn't serve me because I was holding on to my needs of my inner child, wounded child for love of money because I was actually terrified if I get those away, who was I? I was actually mm. terrified that I was nothing. Mm. But that was all fear that I created over the years. Right, okay. So when you got, when you, as you said, you didn't, some of those habits came with you into the marriage. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about the little child in you at that time. Was that little child in you still there from those habits still coming and getting the way oh, yes. what you want to do? Um, I think we always carry our inner child to the day we die. I am a total believer. In fact, I think we are wounded little children masquerading as adults. Mm. I really do think that because we haven't been shown that it's okay to go back and heal our own wounds. We've been mm. taught to blame others. It's your mm. fault. And it's actually, being an Irish Catholic girl, I was brought up with the word fault and blame. That ran right. wild. Mm. So everything was my fault. And what I didn't realise until my son actually said, when I went to ask him to get some milk out the fridge, he went, I can't find it. it's not my fault. And I went, I didn't say it was fault. And then my husband said, but you haven't heard the language you've been using it. That's what he's heard. So be mm. careful with the words, because even if they're not repeating it, they're taking it in. Mm. So that was my first, oh my goodness, something's got to change here. And the next was realizing that I love my parents. They gave me what they could, but actually I'm an adult. Mm. I can go back, see my inner wounded child. I can forgive myself. I can forgive others. And actually I've embraced my little girl now. And with her curiosity, her innocence and her creativity and me with my experience, mm -hmm. we are going forward. And that is my goal that everybody just embraces and loves because that child inside you is the true you. Mm -hmm. 
Wonderful. Now, obviously, there are certain things that we do carry in our life we're not aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, into work, into marriage, into the community, whatever. It goes all over. So you, what was the turning point for you, though, to actually realize, you know what? This has to stop. I, I was, have to change. When yeah. did that moment came? Well, it was in realizing it that although, you know, I had a great house, I had a great husband, I had a child, I had an amazing job, but I was still feeling empty. And I went, you know, I went on lovely holidays. What is it? And then mm. guess what? Look in the mirror. It's looking right. right back at you. Right. And I thought, oh, it's me. And it's nobody else's fault. It's my responsibility. And I was so tired, fed up and tired of being that way. I thought things have got to change. Mm. And that's when I joined a program, Relationship Intensive, I have a tribe of women around me who are my biggest cheerleaders because in general life, people, if you say something, you know, they don't celebrate your successes. They try to put you down. Mm. And I've learned now that I don't hang around with people that gossip. Mm. I look after myself. I put myself first and I was not brought up with that story by my parents being Irish Mm. Catholic. You had to give out and serve other people, Mm. but actually That's not true because you have to serve yourself first to be whole and love yourself unreservedly to be able to show up in calm, grounded energy. And Mm. in that place, your energy, you don't even have to speak. It speaks for you. Mm. And then you surround yourself by the right people. So it was really two years ago, two, nearly three years ago that I just thought enough's enough. And that's why I wrote my first book. And I'll tell you the story. Um, I got a publisher. Yes. We did my first draft. She sent it to me and I went out in the garden. I read it and I was nearly, oh, it was just so, whoa, play the little violin. Such <laughs> right. an awful. And I, oh my God, I can't even bear reading it. And I phoned her up and I just said, no. And she said, I'd outgrown my fir- the first book before I'd even published it. Right. And right. it's, it takes awareness, and I, I think we're all going around with blinkers on, quite frankly. We have been programmed and conditioned by society, by appetizing, mm. and actually it's time to actually stop. The lockdown has allowed us to do that and actually just take a look in the mirror and decide who do you want to be? Because mm. every moment is a choice, and you can you choose you at any moment. And in mm. choosing me, it doesn't mean I'm choosing against you. It just means I'm choosing me to be solid and grounded. Mm, right. Now, Amanda, the interesting thing you mentioned there was people to face themselves and realize it's you. People get this fear factor. Mm-hmm. I had run it. away. Yeah, uh, avoidance uh, and distraction, it's called. <laughs> exactly. Avoiding. What are the good things we're good at? Avoiding it and running away. And... Um, it is a frightening experience because you've never been there before. Mm-hmm. If you'd never faced yourself before, like you said, yeah. you've never been told. We haven't been taught how to. That's why I want to change education. Absolutely. And you're already starting to be related to clean teeth with right now because you're already starting to clean up right now. Yes, totally. <laughs> My, and this is why I wanted you on the show, uh, Amanda, because I wanted to get the key relevant information to people to understand what is really going on within us. Mm-hmm. And so 
to take this whole uh, show a bit further on now, I want to ask everybody in the group, how many of you are actually parents type one? Or how many of you are actually working in the schools type two? Just to get a feel of where you are. How many of you are parents type one in the chat? Or if you're working in this education or in the schools or in the colleges, type two. Let's have a look. Okay. All right. So just to get a feel, okay, we've got parents in here. Now, the question is, why did I ask that? I asked, we've got one and two, yes. I really want to ask that is because every parent is taught different, relationship different, communicate different. But here's the key. If we can identify where we are going wrong as an individual, I'm a parent, 25 years of marriage, it begins to change the whole narratives mm. of what family and what we're supposed to do and find ourselves. So Amanda, you're a bestseller writer, you're a teacher, you're pushing it really out there um, to let people know, especially parents and people are working in the education, to change the narrative of our children the way they're taught from a young age. Mm -hmm. give, us an, give us a feel of your work you've started and the progress it's going so far. Okay. Well, in the UK, I do love early years because early years we respect the child. It's child-led, so the teachers don't have so much say. And we mm -hmm. observe the children and they find out through their own investigations what they enjoy and they can learn from that point. I wish that went up to at least the age of eight or nine. It does in Finland. If we did that, I think we could learn to trust ourselves and value ourselves. Mm -hmm. I also think that in year one, we go on to a curriculum, which is very, you know, academically based. Now, let's face it, at the end of the day, you can get the answer for academic questions at the end of a Google button. Mm -hmm. But nobody teaches us how to understand ourselves as human beings, not human doings. Mm -hmm. We don't uh, give time to actually just stop and be. I'm actually joining a program with Duke's Education to bring mindfulness into schools, the schools that they earn. I've done an eight week foundation course and now I'm going into the training to teach children from years three to six. And what I want to happen is in between each lesson, they just have two, three minutes of being quiet, finding in their bodies, how is their body feeling? How are they reacting using their senses and realize they're here now. Mm -hmm. because as you said about fear I spent a great deal of my life either living in regret of my past or fear of the future and I was never present and I yes. wasn't even aware I wasn't present yes. you know my body was here but my mind was out there I'm mm -hmm. an Elsa in school so I work with uh, children who have emotional problems and I was working with a little girl recently and she was scared of coming into school and she's told me that, you know, I said, well, what happened when you washed your teeth? And through talking to her, I realized she wasn't actually washing her teeth. She was already in school panicking right. about the day. And we have that panic. We have that fear of what if, because we like to have certainty. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing I've realized is that life is uncertain and it's okay. Mm. You look at the seasons, you know, a tree's not going to stay the same. And it just lets go of its leaves when it needs to. But we're so gripping on with that sort of desperation. <gasps> don't, don't leave me, don't leave me, don't abandon me. 
right. that we are too scared to see the other side of the coin. Mm -hmm. And I actually, because I was so fed up with how it was, I took the risk. And I don't mm -hmm. think we take enough risks in life. And actually, mm -hmm. what I realize is that it's not that scary. And the fear was all created by myself and held me a prisoner within myself for years. Right, right. Because the actual, the biggest phrase that I was told on a course was, thank you, but what you think of me is none of my business. And I wouldn't mm -hmm. say that because, quite frankly, what you thought of me was everything about my life. Right. So I right. was a bit blinding and effing it and all sorts of things that day. And I had to sit in it. And it's actually sitting in the discomfort of those things that you don't like, that you avoid by distracting yourself with TV or being busy or mm -hmm. saying, well, I'll do it tomorrow. I'm feeling tired. Mm -hmm. Those excuses are just avoidance tactics. Right. And actually, there's nothing to avoid. It's beautiful once you actually see yourself because there's nothing to fear inside you. Right, right. Now, you mentioned the point about the education system and going into teaching to the schools and the kids. Mm -hmm. I get, I hear this all the time, all the years. What do you think, Amanda, is the problem? Why people we are, are stuck. Not... We're stuck in a Victorian education that was fine, you know, when we worked in factories and it was the purpose, you know, conveyor belt, do this, do this, do this. Right. But if you look at technology, I mean, since we didn't even have computers when I was a child, it's just expanded and everybody's doing it. Even mm -hmm. people my age and your age, you know, we know how to do it now. Mm -hmm. And yet education hasn't moved with the times. We're mm -hmm. stuck with the same textbooks. We're stuck with the same um, subjects. Now, I'm not mm -hmm. saying we have, I think, reading, writing, you know numeracy it's vital it's wonderful but right. it doesn't have to be taught in such a way when I go into the classroom I know what I have to cover but I also first of all look at who's in front of me mm -hmm. because we don't all learn the same way yes. and when I was taught it was bored and chalk so it was very audible and I'm not an audible learner I'm much mm -hmm. a visual and a kinesthetic, so I learn by doing with my hands. Right. And that was frowned about. So I got hit a lot and called stupid at school. And I believe that because somebody older than me told me that. Right. Right. So I, as a teacher, I make sure that I have different ways, styles of showing the lesson. Right. And I work out what sort of learner it is. And I never say that they're wrong or right. I just say, it's the effort. It's your application. I don't right. care about the result. It's not about, you're not a, you know, a grade on a piece of paper to me. You are a human being. You're a person. What do you enjoy? What gets your soul singing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is, this is taking it to another level now, um, because you've covered some real key things that we really hear anybody talking about. Um, one of the things is, I like your title, I love your title, Coming Home to Yourself. Something came to me this morning before I was coming on to ask you, and I think you've touched it. There's been a back and forth argument about homeschooling. Mm -hmm. What is your thought as a teacher, as a mother? Because my sister did our two sons homeschooling. When they went to college, they, were, they couldn't believe that my niece and nephew was homeschooled because mm -hmm. of the knowledge, the relationship. Yeah. They just went through the roof. While the kids who had been going to school and college, they were still at the same level. 
Yes. And the teacher actually stopped my sister and said, what have you been doing? Because your kid's knowledge had just gone through the roof, past the kids. Yes. So they were shocked. So Amanda, from your experience, because you're writing your best-selling book, talking to parents, and your title said, coming home to yourself, what is your perspective on homeschooling? Is it something that we should be doing more? Or people can have a balance going to school and, and homeschooling? Mm-hmm. Well, I have friends who have homeschooling, and I don't like the term homeschooling. Right. I call it world learning. Because right. these people that I know, their children have written books, they're aged eight and 10, they've written their own books, but the parents modeled the behavior. So the parents were always reading. So that became the automatic things for the children to do. Mm. When they travel, they take them to places, they introduce them to people, they get the communication skills, um, You know, going out to the shops to buy, to budget, all those skills, which are life skills can mm. be done without school now I do think there's a place for school because you know especially my son was an only child so going to school really helps him with his social making social friends and his peers and there's a place but I think it's not one thing or the other it's that balance again it's the big drama or the woe is me you know it's either all academic or all people think homeschooling isn't right who says Mm-hmm. The evidence is you see your child, you know what's best for your child as a parent. And I'm not talking to you what your parents told you was best for you. Mm-hmm. I'm saying see them not as your child, but as an individual and discover. Because if you are a kinesthetic learner and a visual and very hands on, sitting behind a desk all day from the age of six mm-hmm. is not really helpful. And mm-hmm. I think being out and learning through being and doing children learn to trust themselves they don't need validation or a tick in the book they know what they can do and they don't mind if they make mistakes or get hurt they just go oh i won't do that again and -hmm. they're not having to talk so you're learning through doing Mm. and i think as human beings that's the way we are made to learn so i think it's possible to change schooling and have much more get rid of a lot of the desks. That's why I love early years because we have a lot of floor space. They're learning lying on their tummies so that they're building all their core strength. Because what I have noticed, a big change in the last 30 years, children are coming in with a lot less language because Mm -hmm. parents aren't around talking to them and they haven't got the body skills because they're not out climbing. They're sitting at home playing games. Mm, And they haven't got, you know, I even had one child who I had to put a chair behind him at the age of four, because if I couldn't, he couldn't cross his legs without falling backwards. Mm, mm. And these are the challenges. Is it really why I ask? Because these are the the minor challenges that we get in the education system and with homeschooling. But what I've personally seen is people who have no homeschooling, those kids are like progressing, developing their social skills. And like you said, my sister did the same, travel, took them out, got to know people. And when they came to the college, they were way ahead. Yes, because um, they've experienced real life rather than yes. because school, if it's, I mean, I'm not saying all schools are like this, but, you know, if you've got a school that's very old fashioned in its way and it hasn't progressed, right. you're, you're turning them out just to be sitting in, a, you know, one space, talking to a few people, learning one way. But that's not what life's like outside. Right. And I also think people that don't homeschool, 
it's mm -hmm. a fear because I had a fear because I wasn't good at maths. So I'll be honest with that. Yeah. Um, and I thought I can never teach maths. I teach maths, but it was a story I was running. And I think a lot of parents, oh, I couldn't do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But anything mm -hmm. is possible. But you've got to make your life work for you. What's best for you and your family? Right, right. Well, Amanda, hey, I don't know what you've done tonight, but you've turned the fire up on this, in this room today, in this podcasting show. And here's a reason why, because we're going to have another commercial break. We're going to come back and it's an opportunity for you in the room and in this call to call in and ask Amanda your question. It'd be interesting to get your view or your perspective or narrative of what you think based on the children and education and you being a parent. So we're gonna go back into another commercial break. No matter who you are or what your status is, you know that your success cannot depend on the opinions of others. Like the wind, opinions change. As the weather, opinions change frequently. To succeed in any endeavor, you must stay the course, no matter what the cost. Join us with your host Trevor Jeremiah Carter on Yes, You Can Podcast show every Thursday at 12pm and 7pm GMT. Remember the new you starts today, not tomorrow. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, welcome back. Yes, you can podcast show. We have wonderful Amanda here. And uh, she's really been giving it tonight. And giving us some idea of what we can do as parents. So before, before we open the floor, there's one more question that came to me, Amanda, to ask you. Is it correct to say all what you've been through, uh, self-belief, being a teacher, looking at education, is this the key of what you're doing now as a motivation? I'm passionate. My biggest passion is children uh, because I know they're born with everything they need within them. And then just because of how society has become, we overlay them with things that they do not need and they lose themselves. But what I've learned recently is actually the parents give stories from their parents, inherited narratives that are passed down. Now, mine with mental illness, depression, that you have to work hard or there's no results. I didn't want all those stories to be running through me into my son. That's another reason why I stopped and took the responsibility for myself because he's his own person. He's on his own journey. I'm there just to be his guide and light. But what I've realized is that so many parents have got the wounded children inside themselves. They're looking for books to help themselves or how to, how to, but there's mm -hmm. nothing out there. I think we're finally becoming aware that we are so much more than, you know, mm -hmm. a result on a piece of paper, whether we went to school, college, university, that really doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you can choose to be happy without that. And mm. that's the blessing and that's the connection. And if we did it from there, I believe then everybody would, as you say, grow. We're born to grow and learn and do it naturally rather than think I have to do this because I'm this age or whatever the society's story is. Uh, well, wow. But I want to help parents to let go of their wounds to show up who they truly are. Now, if I can do it, my yeah. goodness, it's possible for everybody. Right, right. Very important. Uh, thank you so much indeed, Amanda. I really do appreciate those wonderful insights. Um, 
it's going to be really opening, eye-opening for those parents who are not aware of some of the things that you've mentioned, which is okay because we all can mm. learn. Oh, no. Well, I wasn't aware. Exactly. I was saying I was going around with blinkers because it wasn't taught and I want to change that and put the word out there. And the more we share, the more people be aware and then they can take the responsibility and live the life they want. Absolutely, absolutely. And you've done it, Amanda. And this is where we're, where we would say we're cheering you on <laughs> with the support to take it to another level to catch more parents' attention on a larger scale. So fantastic work. So ladies and gentlemen, Amanda's really giving it all tonight and uh, we're going to give you a floor opportunity for you to call in, unmute yourself or put the question in the chat. Do you, If you're a parent, what challenges are you facing right now in the pandemic? Or if you're working in the education department, how things are for you as a teacher or in the schools or colleges, how are challenges against you? So I'm going to leave the opportunity for you to unmute and please do ask a question to Amanda if you have a question or you can put it in the chat. So anybody like to go ahead? Anybody like to go ahead? Any questions? Yes, Nazinga, go ahead. Hi, thank you, Trevor. And thank you, Amanda, that was absolutely amazing. Um, I guess for me, I'm not a parent yet and I don't really work in the education system, but I can really appreciate the benefits of this. And I yes, guess yes. my question to Amanda is obviously, I know primarily you're focusing on education and schools, but how else can this work help and impact on parents and children outside of that space? I think quite simply because we are children and parents wherever we go. I'm doing it with schools because that's my background and I'm lucky enough to be in an establishment of a school. But really my message goes for every human being because we've all been brought up in a family with some narrative and we've all, without doubt, got some limiting belief. In my experience, a lot of people have the limiting belief that I'm not good enough. It comes in different forms, but identifying why when we took that story and made it true about ourselves that's what I want to discover and then in meeting those wounds when it happened because what I've realized recently is that we might have gone through a trauma or been told off that we were told something was wrong so we made it about ourselves and rather than processing that emotion in my day I was told to be quiet and just do what I was told so I didn't have the voice we've got to see what is that emotion trauma that got stuck in us let it process let it be and I was scared of those emotions because I didn't know, I didn't want to lose control, if I'm totally honest. And actually there's nothing to be worried about, but we've been conditioned to think there is because we want to look good. So I think this, I mean, needs to go into workshops. It needs to be talked about. We need to be less about the advertising, buy this and feel good about ourselves, and really just be, look at who you are. Look how beautiful you are. Look how you show up in the world. And from that space, everything is possible. Nazinga, did that answer your question? Absolutely, Trevor. Thank you, Amanda. Brilliant stuff. You're welcome. All right. So we're looking forward to your wedding when you let us know, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Will do. Yes, I'll get an invite, please. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Wonderful. Thank you for that question. We do have a question for you, Amanda, in the chat. It says, hi, Amanda. I'm a parent and want to know how I can support my child to get used to being back in school with her class. She really enjoys being at home and now actually wants to be homeschooled full time. Mm -hmm. That's quite common because children they got used to being in the home environment they had their parents one-to-one even if parents were busy at one they had their time and I have to say that's priceless that's exactly what I didn't have as a child mm -hmm. however things are going back to normal what the ch children can gain from the friendships and how they can learn from meeting other people learning how to react to their teachers because not all teachers are different not all children is important but the thing i would identify with the daughter would be what is it what is the emotion that they're feeling what is it is it a fear of missing out from being at home mm -hmm. something's going to happen is there a feeling of you're not they're not wanted because you're sending them away from you an abandonment and talk through that and don't dismiss it listen to what your child has to say and don't try and fill in the words for them just say i see you i hear you i understand tell me why going back to school what feelings does that invoke in you let's talk it through and validate their feelings yeah i understand that and give them an example when you felt that because we've made emotions, especially those ones that, you know, aren't all singing or dancing, we've made them wrong. And mm. actually, there's nothing wrong with emotions. They're just emotions that need to be coming out. Mm. So mm. listen and ask and be curious and don't try to fix. That was my old, my mm. old story. Right. She had replied, Sam replied and said, thanks, Amanda, I will. I think it's what you were saying earlier suddenly we were there and had time for her wow. all children and in fact all human beings and adults all we yeah. want to do is to feel secure and loved mm -hmm. i don't that is the base i know we need food and shelter but it's mm -hmm. that feeling of security and love and i'm safe here mm -hmm. and you know when you're going to school and there's you know 30 other children in the class and in the playground it gets very chaotic it doesn't always feel safe Mm -hmm. but ask her to explain those and say yeah I can understand that mightn't feel safe but mm -hmm. then be realistically have you been hurt you might fall over but are you seriously hurt mm -hmm. or are you just learning how to to you know survive and get on mm -hmm. because that's they've got to survive because also as parents we're not always going to be there mm -hmm. you know we don't want our children at 18 going out into the world and not being able to do things for themselves because we've done everything for them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very important key there, um, and I'm sure Sam would be able to take that on board, which he has agreed to. So we do appreciate that, Amanda. Oh, Sam. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's definitely something to, to digest. Done. Now I'm going to leave it two more minutes for anybody in the room. If you'd like to raise your hands, and if you want a question, please do raise your hand and put the question forward. I've always had an old saying: it doesn't matter how silly the question is. Mm -hmm. There's always something behind the message. So I do encourage you, if you do have something on your mind thinking, mm, I don't want to ask this, it don't sound right, please do have the opportunity to ask Amanda. Okay, so anybody in the room, please do do that. So while we're waiting for that, Amanda, mm -hmm. 
tell us a little bit more about your book. Um, yes. What's so, happening with that? Um, I wrote I Choose Me, which is my story of my journey, but also at the end of each chapter, there are little activities that I did myself and I gave a reflection so people can tap into them. That's how I came home to myself. But my biggest passion now are my children's book. They're called The Mood Bunches. And what I only came to realise, which probably sounds a bit mad, that recently is that I'm not my thoughts or my emotions because I thought I was my thoughts because I heard them so regularly. I thought I was my emotions because I was feeling it. And what I've only realised is that they are just passing thoughts. You actually have 72,000 thoughts a day, believe it or not. And emotions, you don't sit in one motion all day. They come and go, come and go. However, children, when I was teaching them, especially the younger ones, you ask them how they're feeling. They say happy or sad or cross. Those are the only words they had. And what I realize is, especially for my generation, we weren't taught or told to talk about and communicate our emotions. My books are fabulous, fun characters. And I even do guilt, shame, uh, anxiety, all those ones that people don't like to talk about. But they're fun characters. The kids love them. I'm making them into toys. My aim is for them to be in every home, every school, and that they provide parents, families, a way of talking about, you know, shame. How else would you do it? You just look at Rue and talk about it. And then you can share, yeah, I felt shame when. And if parents started modeling this and being open and vulnerable, it takes away any judgment. Mm. Judgment comes from other people or yourself. And mm. with depression, for me to write that book and admit that was huge. And I thought, mm. oh my goodness, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose family, friends. And I thought, well, do I want to carry on my life being the way I am? No, I didn't. So I took the risk. And I'm so glad because I freed myself from that judgment that I gave myself the shame, the guilt and the anxiety. Mm. Right, right. Why, why, why would be the book you've written it for? What age? Um, it can be read between three and 11. Um, so I've read it to year six who love it and they interact because they're at an older age where they can have their opinions. I've done it with nursery children who just love the pictures and because they're learning how to be. And so what I say is, oh, when they get angry, oh, look, Blaze has come to visit. I had one little boy who'd read my books and he came up to me and said, Mrs. Hill, Blaze came to visit me, but I knew <laughs> all I had to do was go and sit quietly in a corner, breathe for 10 seconds, slowly in and out, and then he left. I'm glad right. he came to visit. And because he was Blaze, it wasn't him being angry. It was just this visitor. Mm. And that gives so much more truth to be able to say it's not me this is just something coming to me and going right. and if we all embrace that especially our inner wounded children as adults i'll say well which one of those characters got stuck with you what mm. judgment do you have on them mm. right. it sounds like amanda your book the way you describe i'm a young man it literally pulls out the character out of them yes or when the character, they, they can identify, acknowledge, name, mm. identify. And rather than saying anger, he's saying Blaze. But he knows right. Blaze is anger because I describe him as, I'm Blaze, I'm hot, I'm fiery, I get annoyed, I get frustrated. And when I'm really, I go into a rage. Right, right. So he thought, wow. So he yeah. loves because he gets angry a lot. He identified with rage. There'll always be one of them that you identify and you can see, oh, that's my go-to emotion. Right. Right, right. I call the book the mirror. 
your book is like a mirror. You see yourself in the mirror and you have yeah. a reflection of yourself. It comes out, you're like, oh, is that really me? This yeah. is really happening. Do now, I like it? No, not very much. Yes. But actually, because they're colourful, the children don't have any judgment. And as parents, it gives a light way. What I'm creating at the moment is a teacher's book and a book for parents. Right. That gives, you know, with all the limiting beliefs from my point of view, right. so that they can read those alongside the children's books because I think it's needed right I want right. it that everyone to just be all emotions are okay right right of course absolutely um Amanda I, I really love what you're delivering here because uh it, it has a very powerful effect of I would call a challenge parents to mm -hmm. change the way we think yes uh, or realize the what, what we thought Exactly. It has to be right. We are capable of change and making a choice. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, the book, just to highlight, what feedback are you getting to the people who read your book so far? So, from the parents, um, I've worked with a parent that were unfortunately splitting up. And right. so, parents are in separate houses. And she said the book really helped her talk about her feelings. Because wow. what it triggered with her is she says, oh, my goodness, I just realized my parents got divorced and I'm projecting onto my daughter my feelings of hurt from all those years back. Mm. So that was great feedback for me. Um, another one was the fact that it's child friendly, that the children love it and take on the mm. characters and then talk about it freely. And I can identify it in their parents. They so say, oh, look, Blaze is coming to visit mummy or oh yes, Rue's hitting out home today. Mm. So, and that was the reason I created them because I wanted children to be able to talk about emotions without using the grown-up language that we use, that right. they don't understand. Um, right. But they have been very well received. The children love them in school. Um, I'm creating the toys because it just makes it more tangible. And then what I'm planning to do is get puppets made so that I can do shows with them that show right. the emotions because as I said as a learner as a child role modeling kinesthetic doing is much better than on a piece of paper and writing about it right you know my mind ticking over with so much questions and I, I I'm hoping our listeners are really getting the, the the benefit out of this I'm sure they are because it's been so informative Amanda Thank and you. Um, for those who want to go further get some uh, guidance and counselling or whatever, uh, would you be prepared to give your website or oh, social definitely. media? Oh, that's, that's definitely. That's my passion, to help others, because we are all connected. It's just fear that keeps us disconnected. So my website is www.amandahryle.com. Mm -hmm. uh, my books are on Amazon. My show is called You Choose You Now. Um, it's a lot of stories, but I'm also having guests on because everybody's got a story to tell. Mm. Everybody's got a different perception. And I think it's time for us to lift the veil, speak openly, be authentic, without fear, without worry of judgment of others, and share what we know and have to help mm. one another. Mm. Absolutely. Um, do you actually coach parents or just children? Do you do coaching for parents? Um, I've actually said in school I'd like to do some parent workshops now. 
I have done uh, talks with Chevron and um, that's my next thing that I want to do. Right, right. Fantastic. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what can we say? Amanda Hill has given us everything we need to know and take responsibility. Take the veil, mm -hmm. get rid of the veil. The veil is not making anything different than what we're supposed to know. So this is an opportunity, ladies and gentlemen. Please do get in touch with the details. And yes, this will be recorded and you will have the opportunity to get the recording for those who have signed up on LinkedIn or got the direct link from Amanda. I'll be sending the details to Amanda to pass out to her contact details. Now, what can I say? This uh, we're saying this was amazing. Thank you so much. That was brilliant. Thank you, Amanda and Trevor. You're welcome. And uh, so, yes, we have got people who are really ready to start moving mm -hmm. forward and make things happen in, two, um, guess what, we're nearly in 2022 now. So that's how quick things are moving at the moment. Absolutely. So we have the opportunity to make that right now. Like I said, today starts now, not tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Okay. And yes, I have my show every Wednesday, every Thursday, 12 o'clock live and seven o'clock live. And I will be looking at probably a part two, Amanda, to come back. Fabulous. And... I'm totally up for that. Oh, and I want absolutely. everybody to realize you've got you all your life and you're yes. so much more than you ever thought you were. So just start trusting and believing in yourself because you're beautiful. Absolutely. Uh, we just said somebody, yes, part two. They're looking for part two. That's amazing. Thanks, Amanda. So everybody got the message. So Amanda, thank you so much indeed. And uh, we definitely will keep in touch. Definitely. And uh, let your work continue and shine to the parents and to the uh, children. And guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time. So everyone take care. Have a good week. Take care. Thank you, Trevor. It's been a delight. All right. Welcome, Amanda. Take care. <laughs>